The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for new focus on wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. Been a little while since I talked with you. If you have a money question for the show, shoot me an email. It's just chad at chadburton.com. It's chad at chadburton.com. Or you can go to chadburton.com, submit questions there, check out some downloadables. And the next events we've got coming up with uh, Rob Black and myself, let's do a little quick market recap because, I mean, what a year so far. When you look at the stock market in terms of January 1st to June 22nd, so it's right now as I'm recording this, it's June 23rd before the market's open. Right now, we have the QQQ, which is the NASDAQ. It's an ETF, exchange-traded fund, that represents the holdings in the NASDAQ. It's up 37.91% for the year. All right? Now, the S&P 500, which is a index of the largest 500 companies in America, however, it's market cap-weighted, so they allocate way more money to the largest companies in the United States. That's up 15% for the year, okay? Now, let's look at how similar the S&P 500 is to the NASDAQ these days. Because I think you keep hearing me say that, you know, if we take out um, just about 10 of the stocks of the S&P 500, the return would be basically flat. Now, when you look at the holdings of the S&P 500, if you were to invest in an S&P 500, a Vanguard total stock, a Vanguard S&P 500 fund, you can invest in IVV, SPY. Those are all ways to buy an ETF or a mutual fund that replicates the, the allocation of the S&P 500. Right now, it's 7.44% in Apple, 6.78% in Microsoft, 3.05% in Amazon, 2.9% in NVIDIA, and then uh, 1.96% in Google, 1.91% in Tesla, 1.7% meta platforms um, and at 1.7 in the other Google. And you, so you get all the way down to Berkshire Hathaway, which is at 1.1 or 1.65% allocation before you get out of kind of the technology world. Now, Tesla is a tech company slash, you know, auto company, obviously, but you're, you're all the way down there. So it's, it's a very tech heavy, large cap growth index now in the S and P 500. So I think that's important to note because if we look at the QQQ, which is the NASDAQ, so on the news, you always hear the NASDAQ is up for the day or down for the day. The S&P 500 is up for the day, down for the day. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is only 30 stocks. So I'm not even going to go there today because I really don't pay much attention to the Dow. But the the, the uh, QQQ, the NASDAQ, is almost 13% Microsoft, almost 12% in Apple, almost 7.2% in NVIDIA. 6.7% in Amazon, 4.29% in Tesla, 4.22% in Meta. And then you got about oh, almost 8% between the two uh, Googles, you know, G-O-O-G-L and G-O-O-G. 
and then 2.39% in Broadcom. So you're all the way past that before you finally get into Pepsi and Costco. And then you got Adobe and Cisco. So it's it's a very tech-heavy index. So the in, the QQQ ETF, which represents the NASDAQ, is up 37.91% for the year since January 1st. Now, if we put this in full perspective and we step back before you know people go go out and have FOMO, so two things that can mess up your investing big time is the fear of missing out and getting into what's already done well super late or uh, greed, um, which well, that's kind of greed there. So, or fear where you, you know, sell out during the bottom. Now, last year, fear got some people. Last year, it was a tech wreck. The, the QQQ, the, the tech stocks were way down. So when we look at uh, the QQQ ETF, which is the NASDAQ, and if we go all the way back to January 1st of 2022, so almost a year and a half ago now, it's still down 7%. So the return this year is still a rebound off of the bottom of last year. Things weren't as bad as they thought. Interest rates weren't affecting tech companies as bad as they thought. Tech companies got hammered because they're expensive by nature, so they're valued by discounted cash flow models. How quick are they growing revenues? And those discounted cash flow models are based on interest rates. And when interest rates go up, the value goes down, All right? So you, you have to put it a little bit into perspective. Um, S&P 500, well, it's up 15% for the year driven by technology stocks. Um, it's down uh, 6% since January of 2022. So we've, there's a couple of lessons here. First of all, don't get you know too excited and get jumping over your skis and going way out on the risk curve, um, especially if you're closer to retirement, because there's a lot of still recessionary type signs out there. What's been driving the market is a rebound off the bottom and AI, right? Which is revolutionary and scary at the same time. Um, so you, you kind of got to break it down like that. And, and you, you want to realize that you want to be a diversified investor when it comes to large cap, especially you want some growth and some value. This is the longest period of time that large cap growth has outperformed value and small cap. Small cap had been flat for the pretty much the entire year, except the last couple of weeks. Um, the Russell 2000, you can look at an ETF. The symbol is IWM to invest in the Russell 2000, which is a combination of small and mid cap stocks. It's up 5.71% for the year. It was flat most of the year. So you do finally have some participation with this rally with some small caps, but we'll see if it's sustainable because when you look at a rally like this, when you say, okay, hey, we're finally in a bull market where you're 20% off the lows that we saw last year, is it a broad-based rally? And it's, it's not yet. It's not a broad-based rally. If you look at a value, any kind of a value index, like a value ETF, like Vanguard's ETF, VTV, it's only up 0.84% for the year. But last year, it did much better. So if we look all the way from January 1st of 2022, total return is negative 1.25%. So value is still fared better than growth if you put it in perspective from January of 2022. That's why you need a little bit of everything. If you, especially if you were already large cap heavy going into this, you got hammered last year, but you've had a big increase this year. 
that's when you start to look in trimming different uh, over areas of overexposure and buy stuff that hasn't done great yet. Or as you're moving into retirement and you're saying, okay, you know, I've been a real heavy growth investor, mostly stocks, but I'm five to 10 years away from retirement and I need to start diversifying. Hey, guess what? Bonds are paying better than they paid since 2006. Maybe it's time to get some fixed income in my life. So when you look at asset allocation, you got stocks, bonds, cash, real estate, commodities, different alternatives that we talk about out there that have to go into a, a portfolio these days. And, uh, but within those different categories, large cap, mid cap, small cap stocks, you need a diversification between growth investing and value investing. As you go into a recession, growth gets hit first, typically, especially small cap growth. However, I will say that smaller cap stocks are trading cheaper at a fundamental level than large cap stocks. And if you look at value, we'll maybe define value a little bit more in the next segment. If we look at a um, a growth-based ETF like QQQ, you got a forecast of P ratio of 26. That's uh, about, I mean, the S&P 500 forward P ratio is a little over 18. If you look at a VTV and all the companies in a value-based ETF, the forward price-to-earnings ratio, what you're paying is down at 13.8, which is fairly attractive over the long run. So... Um, it's kind of like growth is is trading too expensive if we do go into a deeper recession versus a softer landing, maybe a, a mild recession, which is still kind of what I'm expecting. Now, even if I'm expecting a recession, do I go to cash? No, absolutely not. You're just careful in terms of what you're buying. And if you're retired and you're spending money out of your portfolio or your cash, you look at your portfolio and say, do I need to replenish some cash? All right, let's let's do some rebalancing. Do I have a large expense coming up in the next one to three years? Well, you might as well pull some growth off the table and fund that now. That's the kind of thing you think about after you get a nice portfolio rally like this. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcase is always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. I was talking about very, various indexes and, and types of investing within stocks, small cap, mid cap, large cap, international emerging markets. And within those uh, different asset classes, we like to, there's different styles of investing that work at different times. And you like to have, you want to have both in your portfolio. Uh, and especially the last 18 months will show you that while growth indexes have had a phenomenal year this year, that um, values outperformed over the last 18 months, if you put it in perspective. Now, what is growth versus value? One of the ways to kind of learn about this, you can look at the Center for Research and Security Prices, CRISP, so CRSP. Um, and... So they they ran different indexes. For example, when you look at a couple of Vanguard ETFs, VUG and VTV, they are going to use the different CRISP indexes to create their basket of stocks that you are an owner of if you buy the ETFs. Now, if you look at a, a CRISP growth uh, index, they pick securities based on the following factors. So stocks with really good future long-term growth and earnings per share. 
So growth in earnings per share, future short-term growth in earnings per share, three-year historical growth in earnings per share, and three-year historical growth in sales per share. Also, current investment to asset ratio and return on assets. Nowhere in there is the P.E. ratio, the price of the stock divided by the earnings per share of the stock. Okay, so that's that's a way that some people value assets. But when you have a fast-growing company that is you know, growing revenue at two or three times the rate the average company is in, in the S&P 500, people are typically willing to pay more price, more, more of a uh, fee, I guess you could say, a premium on those stocks because they believe in the, the longer term future, you know, five, 10 years out, they'll grow into their PE ratio. Now, some investors, and you have more of a Warren Buffett approach, they classify value securities as really overall underpriced compared to the rest of the market. So they're going to find stocks to put in that basket of, of securities or basket of stocks and something like VTV that uses the following factors, book to price, forward earnings to price, historical earnings to price, dividend to price ratio, and sales to price ratio. So the idea with that type of an index is you're uncovering companies that when you look at um, the price of the earnings of stock, uh, forward earnings to the price of the stock, historic earnings, and then even the dividend that are cheaper than the overall market. You're uncovering companies that, oh, these are undervalued, ignored companies, and they're going to do really well in the long run. And typically, you go through kind of decade periods. Oh, growth outperforms for 10 years, and then value outperforms for 10 years. Typically, the value outperformance is because it doesn't go up as much in a really go-go growth year like this year, but it doesn't typically fall as much when you go into recessions. So the idea is leveling out your returns, leveling out your returns. Because you can literally build a portfolio where the average annual rate of return, if you look at it, in one portfolio can be higher than another, but the one that has a slightly lower one, but a more consistent return and lower drops when the market drops can actually end up with more money in your portfolio. It's a bit of a game of math. The geometric meaning, I guess you could say it without getting too geeky on it. The idea of wealth management. So when you're younger, you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, just invest in stocks. I mean, stocks and real estate, right? I've done whole shows on real estate where where I like real estate, um, you know, positive cash flow properties that you're using leverage. That's really the only way that I believe that real estate can keep up with or outperform stocks is because of that extra risk of taking leverage. So let's talk, let's kind of keep in the in the realm of stocks. You just buy stocks. And when the market drops, you buy more and more and more. But when you get into the world of wealth management, when you get closer and closer to that point of I've got to live off of my portfolio forever, wealth management is not about outperforming the stock market on the good years. It's about keeping up with the market in the good years, outperforming in the bad years, and having a withdrawal strategy to get you through good times and bad times. right? And not being way too overweighted in one area or sector so you don't get hammered like you did in 2022. And 2022 is a major lesson. It's a major lesson in the idea that sometimes stocks and bonds can fall in the same year. So going into retirement with the proper amount of safe money is very important to avoid the order of stock market returns, making sure you're not drawing on your money in a down market, drawing, having to sell shares of stocks or bonds when they're down. That's what cash is for. And cash is good because right now you can earn over 4% on FDIC insured 
uh, money markets online or even you walk into a local bank because they want to keep your deposits. So you can even negotiate with local banks and keep under the FDIC insured limits, though. So that's the difference between value and growth. And that's why I say in the forecast price to earnings ratio, the QQQ is 26. Um, when we look at the forecast PE ratio of the S&P 500, let's according to fact set. What is that right now? Forward forecast PE ratio is 18.86, so a little higher right now. It typically, when you go through um, a recession, for example, when you see stocks bottoming out, you're going to get somewhere between you know eight in a really bad situation like the the credit crisis of 2008 nine. Um, but usually, kind of the the you know 12 to 14 range to you know 12 to 16 kind of range. So. Forecast PE ratio, NASDAQ at 26. That's because you got a bunch of tech stocks with fast growing revenue. So it's more, they're more concerned about future uh, earnings per share growth, not the price divided by the earnings. Okay. So forecast PE ratio for VTV, which is a Vanguard value ETF, is 13.8. And then right now, if you look at uh, the forecast PE ratios of, of anything overseas, it's even much cheaper than that. But there's the problems. We got inflationary problems and we've got Ukraine. We've got China kind of trying to reinvent their situation. Um, but if Ukraine was to calm down, I'd, I'd be moving more money overseas. So now one of the things I wanted to talk about today, and I get questions from uh, friends and people all the time, you know, what, what do I do with all my old 401ks? How, how do I even deal with this? Because most people have issues even just signing up for their 401k with their existing employer. I, you know, I hope that you do. I try to tell my kids, you know, even in their letters that I give them for graduation ceremonies, um, always save a minimum of 10 to 15% of your pay from day one. Always, always. So you got to sign up for that 401k, but there's not a lot of good education still out there. So a lot of people, when they sign up their 401k, they just put like 10% into each of the first 10 funds that they choose, which, you know, whatever, that's fine. As long as you start getting money in there. But it's interesting when I look at resumes now of people like in their late twenties, early thirties, where it's like, they're literally jumping jobs every two years. It's kind of a different world. And so people are accumulating, you know, a couple thousand dollars here, a couple thousand there, 401ks all over the place. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kids' college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts, regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close, and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. You might have heard the advertisements for the Pinton portfolios with Rob Black and Ryan Ignacio. So Ryan is my main man. 
in uh, our Woodward Shores office. And so he's been on my team for a long time. Very smart guy, certified financial planner, chartered financial analyst. That's a rare occasion when you get both of those designations. And then Julie uh, Chan O'Rourke, um, uh, who's also a certified financial planner, got the team there. So big chance to meet Rob, get your portfolio reviewed. It's always good to get a second opinion on what you're doing. And maybe you have a 401k and you want to ask how to roll it over and, and whether or not you should. Now, 401k rollovers is, is a big issue. Um, there is a huge problem, uh, you know, a bit of an epidemic out there of people that um, call themselves a financial advisor, but they really sell annuity products for a commission. And I know this industry really, really, really well because that's how I got into the business. All right. So in the early 90s, my grandfather worked at banks as what they call an investment counselor back then. Basically, he sold annuities and mutual funds. And back then, fee-based financial planning, fiduciary-based financial planning really wasn't around. And so, and annuities were also very attractive because of tax law. So there was a lot of good that was done back then with those products. But, you know, times changed, tax laws changed, capital gains went from 27% way down. And annuities really weren't that attractive. But insurance companies came up with ways to say, okay, if you put your money in a balanced portfolio, we'll guarantee a certain amount of income for life. But guys, a balanced portfolio has never lost money over a 10-year period, ever. Um, Now, when you withdraw a certain way, it could end up negative. So in some cases, low-cost versions or no-load versions of annuities can make sense in a portfolio. But 98% of annuities are garbage. They're not worth, worth the paper they're written on. There are so many hidden fees that some of them I see have fees north of three and a half percent a year just to guarantee a certain payout for your lifetime that's going to happen anyways if you invest normally. So the Department of Labor, the SEC, there's been all sorts of laws that are passed to try to get it so that people are 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 stop people are already so under saved for retirement in this nation. It's a it's an epidemic. It's gonna be a rough for a lot of people in retirement. A lot of people will not be able to afford to retire in this country. They'll work till the day they die. Um, And those that have saved, there's been too many problems with their rolling their money over from a 401k into this high fee insurance product. And that's costing them a ton of money. Um, You know, one example of this is is just a a, a 1% fee on, um, you know, rolling a couple hundred thousand dollars over over you know thirty years can end up you know two hundred thousand dollars of difference in your value in your portfolio by having too high a fees. So most people do not need an annuity. There's some cases where you're really close to retirement or the first part of retirement where you might need a bond alternative. And you're working with a fee-only fiduciary certified financial planner that's looking at no commission annuities or no load annuities that they can make sense. But annuities are for are not for most people. All right. So just put that aside. If you're talking with somebody that said they're say they're a financial advisor and they're just selling you annuity products, just go away. Just tell them to leave. It's bad relationship. Fee-only certified financial planners. That's what you want to work with. All right. So when you have options when you leave an employer. Well, one option is you could cash out your 401k, but that's pretty stupid. When you cash out your 401k, they you know, typically will withhold 20% in taxes. And you're like, oh, okay, that's not too bad. But then you get the tax bill and you realize that you have a 10% penalty on top of that. 
but your the twenty percent was just the withholding. Your your federal bracket could be as high as thirty seven percent plus your state bracket. So you're typically going to be losing, uh, you know, half of what you cash in, and you're going to get a surprise tax bill. So don't do that. Don't rob your retirement accounts unless it's fully necessary to keep your lights on in your home or your rent paid, and it's a full on emergency. All right, so let's just put that one aside. Now, one of your options when you leave a company is you can just keep your 401k with your former employer. Um, most companies, though, if it's under $5,000, will force you to roll out. And if you don't do anything about it, they'll send it to some garbage IRA company and then the money will just kind of sit there often in cash. So if your account balance is over $5,000 and you have reviewed all costs in your 401k and you know that it's a good deal, you could leave it there. But look, you know, typically if you're with a smaller company, especially if all of the assets inside that company's 401k plan are under a million dollars. So if you add up all the employees accounts all together and the value's under a million bucks, I can bet that the fee structure inside that 401k is pretty high because it costs money to run the plans. They're very time intensive plans. And so, um, a lot of times of smaller companies, it's like, okay, leaving it with the former employer is not a really good deal. If you have left your former employer um, and it's a large employer and you know inside the plan, it's like a Fidelity or Vanguard 401k and you've read the annual report because now 401k companies are required to mail you an annual report of the fee structure in the 401k. So if you've reviewed that and it's very low, there's hardly any fees over and above the mutual fund fee that's in the 401k, then, you know, maybe you leave it there, right? But most are really expensive. So um, the, the, the one time where it, it almost can always make sense to leave the money in the 401k after you retire is if you are retiring after the age of 55 or after, but before the age of 59 and a half, if you, if you roll money into an IRA, you can't take money out before 59 and a half before, without paying a 10% penalty. But in a 401k, if you've separated from service after the age of 55 and you're retired, you can withdraw money out of the 401k plan without a 10% penalty. So leaving it there for early retirees for a few years can make sense. Okay. But read the fee structure. Now, Another option is rolling your 401k to an IRA, which we're going to talk about in the show, how you actually do that. You have the option of rolling your former 401k into a rollover IRA, and you can open that at any you know, brokerage firm or financial institution. So I'll typically recommend Fidelity or Schwab. Um, so by doing that, you have you know, more choices. You can buy any you know, stock mutual fund, ETF, individual bonds, bond funds, whatever you want. There's more investment options available. The cons are is that unless you find a uh, fee-only certified financial planner to help manage the account, you're doing it on your own. So you got to figure out what to buy on your own. All right? But some people like to do that. Some don't. Now, rolling money over from a 401k to an IRA can be a bad choice for those people 
that at their current job, in their new 401k, where they're working, if they're maxing out that plan, they're maxing out either the pre-tax or the Roth deferral, they found out whether or not they have a mega Roth 401k option, which I've done shows on, where you can put in after-tax dollars that get converted into the Roth bucket in the 401k. If, If they're maxing all that out and they still have extra money over, left over, um, and they're not eligible because of their income to fund a Roth IRA. And they're trying to fund what's called a backdoor Roth IRA. So high income earners, essentially. It might be a bad idea to roll your old 401k into an IRA because it can screw up your backdoor Roth IRA and ma- making that a tax-free event. So that's one thing to consider. Um, so I'm not going to go too far into that because that would be for really higher income earners, um, you know, typically, uh, putting, you know, over well over the normal amounts into the 401k and still have money left over. Okay. So that's the 401k to IRA rollover. It is, you know, typically the way to go if you're over 59 and a half and retiring though. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Now, one of the options is to roll your former 401k to your new employer's 401k. So you just keep everything consolidated in one place. So if you've, Looked into your new company's 401k and it's, you know, large plan. They've got really good low cost index funds. No other major fees when you've read the, the fee report. It's a great way to keep everything consolidated. So you roll the old 401k over into the new 401k. Now, in order to do this, it's a bit of a process because you got to find out if your new 401k will allow rollovers. And then you got to get a form from the new 401k that you fill out that allows them to accept the rollover check. Then you call the old 401k. They're going to do the rollover over the phone or give you a form. They're going to mail the check to you, made out to the new company's 401k, and then you got to get it into the plan. So it's a process to do it. But I mean, I, I ran into somebody the other day that has 12 different 401k plans from their past all over the place. They had no idea what their asset allocation is. Three of them were just sitting in cash, not doing anything for the last many years. And it, it could be a mess because people get busy, especially when they have kids. Uh, they're in the tech or sales industry, so they're changing jobs all the time. And it's just hard to keep an eye on everything. So um, the the good thing about rolling your old 401k to your new employer's 401k, if the plan has really good low fees, it just keeps everything in one place. And it, if you're maxing out that plan then you have the option, since you don't have any other IRAs, to continue to do a Roth IRA. Even if you're not eligible to make a direct contribution, you can make a contribution to an after-tax IRA and convert it to a Roth. That's the backdoor Roth IRA. So again, gets a little bit involved. So most people, when they have larger plans, especially when they need help um, from a financial advisor, might choose to do a 401k to IRA rollover. Or when you're retiring, it's typically the best bet to do an IRA to a 401k to an IRA rollover so that you have much more flexibility in when you take money out, how you take money out, and what you invest in. Let's talk about 401k rollover. So I went over options, right? Leave it, roll it to the new company, 401k, roll it into an IRA. So I'm going to talk about how a rollover is done if you're choosing to go the, to go the route to roll from your old 401k into an IRA. Now, you could always roll from that IRA back into another employer plan in the future if you change your mind. So that's a possibility. But I'm going to talk about how the rollover is done. Most of them these days, you call the 800 number, right? 
And so the first thing before you say, you know, I've, I've made up my mind what I want to do. You want to call the 800 number on your statement and ask them, how is the rollover done? Do I do it through you guys on the phone? Do I do it online or do I have to fill out a form? Those are the three options. Most of them are done by calling the 800 number. There's a bunch of Fidelity plans. Fidelity offers a bunch of 401ks for a lot of companies out there. A lot of those plans you can do online. But one of the things you need to find out before you roll over your 401k to your IRA is do you have pre-tax money, which is the typical 401k. You know, you put the money in, you don't pay taxes on it, it grows tax deferred. A lot of people now have Roth IRA money. If that's the case, you're going to need to roll some of that to a Roth IRA. And then some people have after-tax money in the plan. And so one of the things you need to do is you call, you know, what are my money sources? Do I have pre-tax? Do I have Roth? And do I have after-tax? If they tell you, yes, there is after-tax money in the plan, you say, hey, can I convert that to my Roth bucket in my 401k? Most of them will say, yes, you can. And you say, please do that. And they'll take that money, that after-tax money that might be in your 401k, they'll move it over to the Roth 401k, very little, if any, tax consequence typically for doing that. And then you process the rollover. So your first step is, where is it going? Are you going to self-manage it or have a financial advisor do it? If you have a financial advisor do it, they'll set up all the accounts. For example, at EP Wealth, we manage money at Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, and Schwab. That's where our clients, it's their accounts. We just are able to sign on and trade the account for them. So we set up all the accounts for the person that usually Fidelity and Schwab since TD has been purchased by Schwab. So if you're going to do it on your own, you got to say, where do I want to hold my money? Do I want to hold it at Fidelity or Schwab? You open up an IRA account. And if you have a Roth, you open up a Roth account. So you have to have those account numbers in hand, ready to go. So open the accounts. Um, and then you're going to call the 800 number back or go online. So let's, let's assume we're doing this by calling the 800 number on the 401k statement. And, um, they're going to say, Hey, have you read the special tax notice? And you're going to want, you're going to want to log in and read this. And so you can say yes, because all the special tax notices when they ask you that is it explains that if you cash this out, you're going to have mandatory 20% withholding. But guess what? Your taxes are going to be way higher than that if you are dumb and cash this out and take a check. Okay. Um, so they're going to ask you that question. So you got to be able to say yes. Um, so what's going to happen is they're going to process the rollover and they're going to tell you the amounts that's in your pre-tax they're going to tell you the amount that is going to end up in your Roth and the amount that's after tax, potentially, if you have all of those different sources. Now, they're going to give you an estimate of those amounts because if you call during market hours, what happens is they don't sell till the end of the day. Or if you call after market hours, the, the sale of all of those funds is going to happen the next day. And guess what? They're going to create a check for you and it's going to be made out to your IRA. You don't have to sign it or do anything. They're going to mail it to your home, made out to your IRA. Okay, That's typically how this works. Now, there are some, like if you're doing a Fidelity 401k to a Fidelity IRA, that can all happen electronically in one step. But in most cases, they are going to mail you a check made out to your IRA. 
And so one of the options that you want to take is that they're to ask them if they'll overnight you the check once it's ready. Cause it's usually you call today, they cash in tomorrow, the check is prepared the next day, and then they mail it to you. So if they do regular mail, you could be out of the market for over a week. And that would have been a bummer in the last couple of weeks, right? I don't like being out of the market too long. So have the idea that you might pay an extra 25 bucks or so to get it overnighted or have a UPS or FedEx number ready to go so that you can then have them overnight you the check. And then that way you have a tracking number and everything else. Because I have seen people say, yeah, we're sending you the 401k check and then it goes missing. They have to redo the whole thing. So uh when you receive those checks, then typically, so if we're doing it for clients, we've already given them a FedEx envelope that's ready to go. So as soon as they receive the check, they just are able to shove it in that FedEx envelope and it's going to go to Fidelity or Schwab and get invested in their IRA, Roth IRA account, whatever it may be. So that's a couple of caveats. The other thing that you have to really think about, this is a very um, important issue that running out of time today to talk about it, but one of the things that I haven't talked about is, do you have company stock in your 401k? So let's say the most recent one I did was Raytheon Technologies. So inside the 401k plan, they had received, by employer match, they'd received shares of Raytheon. So instead of putting a dollar into the 401k as a match, for example, every time the company uh, did a match, they did so in company stock. And so when this person retired, and I'm just going to use some simple numbers here. Let's say that in their 401k, it was a million dollars and it was made up of normal mutual funds of $800,000 and $200,000 in Raytheon company stock. And the amount of original contributions to that stock or the cost basis was $20,000, but it grew to $200,000 over time. So one of the things that you can do when you do a 401k rollover at retirement is split that up. You can roll $800,000 into an IRA and you can send the $200,000 in company stock directly to a normal brokerage account, a non-retirement account. And when that happens, you pay taxes on the cost basis. You pay taxes on the $20,000. But then when you sell the rest of that stock, you just pay capital gains tax, which in retirement, can be much, much lower than your overall ordinary income because capital gains work much differently. There's a lot of pros and cons to this. I'd say mostly pros in a lot of cases, but it depends on if you're overweight in that stock anyways. It can be kind of tricky. So if you need some help with your 401k rollovers, need some advice, just find me, chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Have a great day. Please tell a friend about the show. 